welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season two of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode two. Let's get started. Okay. All right. Well, today uh, we are going to talk about Fringe episode two, titled Night of Desirable Objects. Mm. And I'll be doing the recap today. Okay. So I'm going to try to do it in 10 minutes or less. <laughs> okay, dive in. All right. Well, we first open up the show in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, where we see a construction crew packing it up for the day. Um, we see a construction worker named Raymond uh, who had forgotten some of his gear. So he walks back by all of the construction gear close to this field. It's like a cornfield. He sees a scarecrow and a crow and he kind of gets distracted and looks down and sees what he thinks, look what it looks like a hand in the ground. Um, he goes over to the hand and he starts to bend down to look at it when the hand opens up, grabs him and pulls him underneath the ground. Hmm. We then go to New York City and we see Olivia in the hospital being released from the hospital, um, you know, being checked out by the nurse and being released. Peter's there to help her. And um, as she puts her coat on, she notices her hand is shaking. Peter also sees this and Olivia kind of looks away and goes on and, and gets up and starts talking about, you know, the day. As they go out into the parking lot and Peter opens the door for her, we see fake Charlie looking at him with the evil eye. Peter kind of notices or it seems like he feels someone looking at him, but he can't really pinpoint what it is. We're back in Pennsylvania and Raymond, our construction worker, wakes up in this underground tunnel and, you know, is looking around trying to figure out what where he is. He has a lighter that he flicks on and he sees various pieces of bodies around the tunnel. And a dog. And a dog. And he also notices this greenish looking ooze stuff on his legs. And it looks like also one of his legs is kind of scratched up. So he's crawling through the tunnel and he hears a noise. Turn around and we see this creature with glowing eyes kind of um, crawling towards him. Or not really crawling, but walking weird towards mm -hmm. him. He gets kind of scared. He starts trying to really crawl. The next thing we see is Raymond getting pulled backwards away while he's screaming down the tunnel. Mm. Okay, so then we get back to Boston. Peter and Broyles are walking down the street talking about all the items that Peter requested from the FBI um, for the French division. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the items is new housing for him and, and Walter, um, a C-130 transport plane, which Broyles says is taking a little bit of time to, to get. And Peter says, well, we're not going to need that right now because I've did, did some research on the FBI cases and noticed there's a missing person report right now in Pennsylvania for six people. He says, and these all kind of match Olivia's case where she disappeared. So we want to go take a look. Broyles gives them the go ahead. And then the next thing we see is Harvard. And we see Walter and Astrid um, trying to recreate Olivia's accident using a frog a remote control police car and Polaroid cameras. And Walter's telling Olivia, you know, I can't get the frog to disappear. 
Um, but that my theory is that you have traveled to another universe. He goes on to explain it to her on the chalkboard. And Olivia gives him a look, letting him know we've gone, we've talked about this before. And, and Walter says, have we discussed this before? And she kind of looks at him. Yeah, we have. Um, Olivia says she knows that she did go somewhere and thinks that she met someone, but she can't remember anything else. And uh, at this point, Walter kind of looks sad and he tells Olivia how he felt when he thought she was dead and tells her that she appears to be fine now, um, but there are consequences to traveling in an alternate universe. Peter arrives and asks them if they feel up to a drive. So we're back in Pennsylvania and we meet Sheriff Golightly who is handling the scene of the missing construction worker. Um, and he is not happy at all that the FBI is there. He's telling them they need to wait. He didn't call them, so he doesn't understand why, you know, they're there. But he does let them gather some evidence and look at things. They go back to the sheriff's office where Sheriff Golightly questions Olivia as to why the FBI is there because um, none of the missing persons were in the military. Uh, there's no, you know, he's wanting to know why they're there. Um, all of a sudden, Olivia gets distracted by a buzzing sound, and she's looking around the room and notices a fly flying around. She could hear its wings buzzing. She could hear its feet, or whatever you call them, stepping <laughs> on its little legs as it walks along the wall. And as she's distracted, Peter notices a fishing fly on Sheriff Golightly's shelf called the Night of Desirable Objects. He and the sheriff start talking about it, and Peter tells him he used to have one or he does have one, and that's great, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. <clears throat> Later, Olivia, on the way out of the sheriff's office with some evidence to, to take back to the lab, Olivia calls Charlie and asks him to run um, the seven victims' names through their database, and Charlie's like, sure, but I have to take care of something first. We then see the fake Charlie enter the typewriter store, or antique, antique store, shop. And asked to see the typewriter. Of course, the guy behind the counter doesn't quite know that it's the shapeshifter guy. But Charlie's looking fierce. And he's also looking like he's in pain. And he goes back into the back room. He types that Olivia trusts him completely and thinks that she's her part, that he is her partner and awaits instruction. Back at the lab, we see Olivia and Peter joke about all the notes in the victim files that Sheriff Golightly gave them. Um, <clears throat> Walter is testing some of the ooze that they found from uh, the first victim, who I've already forgotten his name, Raymond. And he spills some of it on his hand. Well, at this point, his hand goes numb. And they figure out that um, this is something that probably helped the killer get his victims by numbing them. Uh, paralyzing. Pe right, by paralyzing them. Olivia notices a link in the case files and her and Peter head back to Pennsylvania. Once there, we see a man under in the underneath the ground in the tunnels with a shovel and boots. All we see are his boots. And he's walking up to the remains of probably Raymond and he's like, oh, my goodness, or oh, my God, or whatever he says. And then the camera pans up through the ground up to the mailbox that says Hughes, which is the Hughes residence. They arrive at Andre Hughes's house to question him. And, and they see when they walk up to the porch, there's all kinds of dirt and mud everywhere. 
Mr. Hughes comes up behind him and tells him that he's been digging for a well and invites him into the house. He says he's going to go wash up and Olivia hears some deep and raspy breathing. She asks Mr. Hughes if there's anyone else there and he's like, no, there isn't. But she doesn't believe him. So she starts walking upstairs to take a look around. When she gets upstairs, she finds a lab and all this old medical equipment. She's looking around. She still hears the breathing. And while she's looking around, Peter startles her and she turns and fires her gun at his head. And the look he gave her when she did that was scary. Okay, so we're back at FBI headquarters. Olivia questions Dr. Hughes and he reveals that his wife and son died 17 years ago in childbirth and that he didn't know any of the victims or their families, but he thought that he could comfort them since he understood where, what, where they were coming from, what that had happened to them. <clears throat> uh, we see Peter and Broyles watching um, Olivia question Mr. He- or Dr. Hughes, and Broyles asks Peter about her gun discharging at the scene. Peter looks at him and just tells him it was just a misfire. And Broyles looks at him for a long minute like he doesn't believe what, mm-hmm. what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Still at FBI headquarters, Olivia is being examined by the doctor, and as she's getting dressed, lo and behold, there comes Nina Sharp and tells her that when she's ready, she can speak to someone. Um, and she's got a card for her and tells her to ask for Sam Weiss. Olivia's asking her, what does she mean? And Nina just tells her, well, when you're ready, you'll know what I'm talking about. But he helped me a lot when I was going through what I went through. Back in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Agent Jessup is researching the doctor's house and she finds an article about the death of the Hughes wife and son and thinks that maybe he had something to do with their death. They exhume the bodies and when they get to the baby casket, they find there is nobody there and there's a hole in the casket and the ground where someone has either come into the casket or burrowed out. Meanwhile, we see Dr. Hughes back at FBI making a noose to hang himself. Back at the lab, Walter is examining Mrs. Hughes' body and discovers that she had lupus, an advanced form of it, which means that she couldn't have had kids. So they're trying to figure out what, how she ended up having a baby. Uh, We see back in Pennsylvania, Sheriff Golightly putting up police tape when uh, he notices part of the ground. We, well, we notice there's some shifting of the ground. He doesn't quite notice it quite yet. Back at the lab, Walter finds afterbirth in Mrs. Hughes' body and tests it and realizes that the, the afterbirth had um, altered DNA. It had bat, small rat, and other DNA to help the baby survive the mother's um, lupus. So we know now that Dr. Hughes is experimented on the wife and the child. Olivia is coming out of the FBI headquarters with Broyles and hears a man across the parking lot talking on a cell phone. She then remembers how she was able to hear the fly and able to hear raspy breathing in the Hughes house. And she rushes back to uh, Harvard and theorizes that she heard the son while in the house and that that's the breathing that she heard. 
<clears throat> Peter says it, it, if he wasn't in the house, he could have been under the house. So they start to leave to go back to Pennsylvania. We're back in Pennsylvania when we see the sheriff putting his tape away and he starts hearing the ground shift and move. He turns around, the ground opens up and he gets pulled down underground also. So bye-bye, Sheriff Golightly. <clears throat> so Peter and Olivia get to the Hughes house and Peter finds a door behind some wallpaper which, and he pulls the door down and notices it's a nursery. Olivia also finds the kind of basement storage area and they notice a few rocks missing from the wall. Peter starts to dig through the rocks and finds a little tunnel opening and they discover a skull of a dog, which is kind of nasty. He leaves to get a shovel, which we knew then that was it. <laughs> and as Olivia is looking in and sees some of the remains in the tunnel, Peter comes back. She turns to talk to him and whoo, she gets jumped by this nasty pale looking creature who bites her on her shoulder and pulls her through the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Peter jumps in after her and um, as he's trying to fight off this creature, he gets bitten and in the process. <clears throat> Olivia is scrambling around and she finds a bone that's kind of sharp and, and gives it to Peter and when this creature jumps on him, Peter impales him with this little stick. Looks like a spear. Um, at this point, the little mole, I will call it the mole baby, <laughs> man, the baby mole man, man, whatever, he's screeching and hollering and trying to get away, so he runs and tries to dig himself out another hole, but there's not enough to hold the car that's above ground up, and the car falls through the hole and crushes the mole baby. That's the police cruiser. Right, the police car, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is very convenient that they were in that spot. So Olivia uh, and Peter are safe at that point. And as the police are there trying to investigate and see what's going on, we hear Olivia tell Charlie about the case. And then we see them driving in the car, presumably going back to Boston. And Olivia asks Charlie, what if I don't run and remember where I went or who I met when I went somewhere? And Charlie tells her that whatever it is, it's probably something important and that she probably needs to remember for the good of herself, mankind, whatever. And that he'll help her remember. And he's looking like his old Charlie self, the fake Charlie. Back at Harvard, Peter brings his fishing tackle box into the lab and tells Walter about a young boy who saved his money for a special lure called the Night of Desirable Objects so that he and his father could spend time together. Walter, so cute, says, well, can I come with you guys? And Peter looks at him and says, I, that would make it a perfect trip. Olivia, we see her in her bathtub taking a bath and she's trying to relax. When suddenly we hear really loudly bubbles, the water dripping. No, she hears the bubbles popping. Right. She hears the bubbles popping. She hears the water dripping. She hears people crying talking in a nearby apartment, babies crying, traffic noise, an ambulance running by the house. She hears all this, and all of a sudden, it, it, she looks overwhelmed, and it goes away. So it's like she can hear all the stuff. We next see her going to a bowling alley and asking for Sam Weiss. The guy behind the counter tells her, oh, he left town. He's not here. 
Sorry, you missed him. She goes to leave and he says, well, you're giving up awful easily. And she turns and realizes that he is Sam. He asks her if the headaches have started yet and says, they will. The last thing we see is fake Charlie sitting at the typewriter and typing that Olivia did travel to another universe but can't remember anything. And we see someone write back to help her remember. And we fade to black. That was the end of the episode. That was a good episode. It was nasty, though. It was nasty. That little mole mole boy. And and he's not a mole baby. He's grown grown as adult. Well, 17 years. Right. But he wasn't full size. But he's... But he walked like he walked like a frog would walk if a frog had longer legs and could walk on like upright. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because he kind of crouched and walked at the same time. But he was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Once they show him up close, damn. Well, you know, at the very beginning of the episode, oh, it was freaky when Raymond said, but we didn't know his name was Raymond at the time. I have I forgot something. I need to go get it. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Oh yeah. Because them scarecrows was freaking me out. And why would you go just because you see a gloved hand or something in the dirt? Why would you walk over there and be touching it? Because he's stupid. Curious. You know? People oh. are curious about stuff. I probably wouldn't even have noticed it in all them leaves. Yeah. But one thing one thing uh, you forgot to mention, too, and that is after uh, uh, after this mole boy was killed, after Olivia and Peter killed him... Then uh, the police found all these traps under the ground that he, Daddy Hughes had obviously tra- was trying to trap him. Yes. Like him. bear traps or something. So what did you think about the whole episode besides it being nasty? <laughs> and let's try to go kind of in order of the episode. Oh, well, okay. Um, well, what did you think overall? About the, I thought it was a good episode. Well, it was entertaining. I mean, it was entertaining. Um, I I can see from my point, I can see that unless they do something with fake Charlie pretty quick, it's going to get boring. You know, it's going to get old that he's lurking around and he's, you know, he goes to the antique shop and types this message and blah, blah, blah. For me, uh, um, one of the best parts of the whole film for me is when Nina Sharp visited her at the hospital. I thought that was really good. Why is Nina always lurking? That's what I that, like. Oh, I like that though, cause she's. Uh, but she has she has a, an interest uh, in Olivia for a reason. There's a reason for that, and they was kind of hinting that in in season one, it's it's just more than the fact that she's the FBI and she's with the French Division. There there's some link there that yeah. she is interested in Olivia about so but you know as far as um the episode and how it progressed i mean you know it it was fine you know that there's there's some freaky crap going on and all these missing persons and stuff and then and then you know they investigate it which is a a formula that they use every every uh, week but the the dialogue that they give walter is just too too good. It is. And I wrote down this one thing. You know, when they first got to 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 Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and 
when they got out of the car, Walter is, you know, all the police officers and stuff are there and Sheriff go lightly. And Walter's, uh, hello, I'm Walter Bishop. Hello, I'm Walter Bishop. I mean, he was just, you know, introducing himself to everybody. He was just excited to be there. And, you know, he could tell that the sheriff was, uh, the sheriff was a little rude because he didn't want the FBI there. I love that and, line. And Walter says, um, he says, oh, let's see. I wrote well, he said we're all a product of our own design. No, some, no, he said um, we're all victims of our own gene pool. That's right. Somebody must have peed in yours. <laughs> that oh, good. that is so funny. I thought to myself, mm, mm. and so Peter said right quick, uh, Walter, you'll have to excuse him. Yeah. You know, but that was so good. And Walter was not smiling when he said that either. No, because that sheriff was kind of Yeah, rude. so he meant that stuff. Now, I don't know the guy's name who <coughs> plays the sheriff, Golightly, but I remember him from that old 80s movie, Starman. He was the FBI yeah. guy in Starman. With the big old cigar. With the big, he was a little dude, but he had mm-hmm. that cigar that he mm-hmm. smoked all the time. Anyway, that's just a little side thing I noticed. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I thought well, I liked the episode. I thought it was, you know, it was different than the first. We didn't have a lot of um, revelation, but we did get a little bit of this, the what we liked in season one, where we have a, a interesting, weird case, and somehow it ties in to some of Walter's research. And mm-hmm. then we also get to see Olivia. I really loved Anna Torv in this episode because. Yeah. I don't know. She was just so good at. But I don't like this bionic ear stuff. Well, it's not a bionic well, ear. But she was so good at showing how, yeah, she's got this, you know, dislocated hip and she's got to work through it, but she's not going to let anything stop her. So she's limping. She's trying to that get to That was her. so good. That was really good. <laughs> she was limping everywhere. And then when she got to the, um, <clears throat> went upstairs and thought she heard a noise. And mm-hmm. was going to check it out. She's like, okay, I can't do this with that damn cane. Mm-hmm. She put the cane to the side and her limping over to that door. Mm-hmm. And that look on her face, I don't, it was just great. Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked her interaction with Walter, too, over at the lab. Because when when he says, oh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I've discussed this alternate uh, universe with you before. And Olivia's telling him, you know, I know I went somewhere, but I just can't remember. Walter knows, but he's not telling her. But he had such a guilt look on his face. He yeah. he knows where she went. He knows why and this, that, and the other. And then when he told her, you know, that there's consequences, I got to thinking, okay, maybe the consequence of Walter going to get his doppelganger son is that mental illness that, that put him in the hospital in the first place. Maybe that was one of his consequences. Because he was a brilliant, and he is a brilliant scientist, but he was actually mentally ill there for a while. So, well, well, they thought he was <clears throat> mentally ill, but maybe he was just trying to tell them about the alternate universe. I don't think so. That's not uh, uh, that's not what he was trying to do in season one that I recall. Uh, he was talking about his a lot of his scientific formulas and stuff, but huh. uh, but anyway, that was just a thought I had because he says there are consequences when anyone goes to the alternate universe, and that that's also why I think Fake Charlie appears to be sick at his stomach all the time 
because yeah. that being is from the alternate universe. Yeah. And he's now in our universe, so he's having some consequences. I was consequences. thinking about that, too. I was thinking mm-hmm. maybe this body is not going to last long because he doesn't have a way. I mean, maybe they're not meant to shift and stay in a body for well, too long. I mean, maybe he could stay, but but evidently some kind of uncomfortableness or sickness or something is it's a gone. consequence yeah. because, because Charlie, now, when he shape-shifted to that other guy, he didn't look sick. But he wasn't in that guy long. That's true. And, and then he and then he went right to the nurse. So. Right. And he wasn't in the yeah, nurse long either. That's true. Maybe that is a point. So. Yeah. You know, this has been a couple of days because she's out of the hospital now. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, how Broyles uh, uh, said that, uh, Peter, you know, the FBI granted every single thing you asked for except for that C-40 plane for right now. Uh-huh. So they're going to get new housing. So I'm anxious to see what this new housing's going to be. Me, too. Yeah. Maybe it will be side-by-side apartments or something that... Peter could have yeah. some private time now or Walter can it or could whatever. Be. And I also think, I also thought it was really, really interesting how just in one little fleeting sentence, Broyles uh, said to Peter, I'll send, uh, and this was after, um, um, right. when they, were, they first um, came, I'll send Jessup to, to search the house. This is when they had views at the, at the um, headquarters. Right. I thought that was good. I thought that was good. And then I also thought it was very interesting how Jessup, now you remember we last saw Jessup when she was doing, plotting all of the different little um, things that have happened using the book of Revelation and other scripture. And I, so I thought it was very interesting that when she's searching the house, she finds the article about the son and, and, and wife dying in a Bible. With that little message in there. Right. Yeah. It was in a holy Bible that was that was kind of hidden behind this door, but it had a big old cross on the door. So, of course, you know something in there. It's like a little shrine yeah, area. Yeah, a little cabinet. So, I thought that was interesting, too. So, they're going to keep that, follow that theme with her, I think. Yeah, and, you know, she was just kind of a side note in this episode. Well, she was a side note, but I think it is very, very interesting how... She was just the FBI person on the scene of an accident, and now she's working with Broyles in the French division because he sent her there. You see what I'm saying? Well, I mean, so, he they had to think use. That's good. They're going to have to use her now. She knows too much about it. Yeah, she's interested. <clears throat> you know, like she said, I've been looking for y'all my whole lives. I think in the, in episode one, mm-hmm. and so she's interested in it. But I think there's something else besides that. There's some other reason she is so is there or yeah. in, so involved with it. Yeah, and I it's think just so, so too. easy. It seems like it was so easy the way she got in there. I mean, she didn't have any preparation. It took, it took Olivia what uh, two episodes before she was invited into Fringe Division. Well, I think that happened because of Peter. Now that's the impression I got uh, when Peter. In the last episode, when Peter and Jessup were were, uh, driving, when she got him out of that FBI building, and he Uh, says, I I really need that file, and she says, it's in the back seat. He seemed very surprised. But she had already researched Peter's background. She knew all about Peter's background, all of his uh, 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 connections with the mafia, with running guns, and all this stuff. And she knew what files he he was needing. So she had already done her research. 
She was interested in that stuff. And Peter was very impressed about that. See, so I think the reason why she got in French division so easy, and that's because Peter probably told Broyles, yeah, we need her. Yeah, it could be. Because Olivia needs some backup. See? It could be. Yeah, that, or at least that's the way it appears to me. Because that girl had done her research way before and without any prodding. She knew all that information. She didn't know Peter was coming to the FBI that day. No. Demanding to, to see Broyles. But she had all that information already. already. See, so uh, yeah, she was gonna, she was gonna probably make a bid for it anyway. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. Which I think's really good. So that lets you know, you know, she's, she's good. Now, if anything, I just think, Astrid is the one that's just like a side note. I know, and that's you annoying know, me. Bless her heart. I mean, they need to give her something a little more substantial well, to do. I know um, it's, it seems so long ago, but she started out being supposedly going to be Olivia's sidekick, helper, yes, assistant, whatever, but we never see her and Olivia interact, really. No, not really. She's always no. with Walter, Walter in the lab. or Peter. In the or lab. all she interacts with. Mm-hmm. And so it's, str- I don't know. There were a couple of episodes in season one where she was actually out in the field. But, but it was just a couple. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Yeah, and she never gets to go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, She's when they all the pad into the car to go to Pennsylvania, you know, why wouldn't they have brought her? She's always in the lab. Always. 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 So it Wait. seems to me that, that her character is just like being wasted. In my well, opinion. maybe not. Maybe they're, you know, going <clears> to <throat> touch on her more this season. I would hope so, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like she's just kind of like the sister of, of Olivia's sister yeah. and her niece. But, okay, so, side so characters. which was your favorite scene? I bet I know which one it was. My favorite scene? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite scene. I do. Which one? Walter, when Peter is telling him about the little fishing lure. That was great. Oh, that was so sweet. Walter is just so cute. Well, the way he plays him. That actor, just, John Noble, he is just so excellent, though. He is really, I don't know. Really good. I, my favorite Walter scene in this episode, well, I, that probably is up there. Because mm-hmm. that was a great scene. But the one with him and Olivia, uh, <coughs> excuse me, where he's talking... And showing her, you know, he's trying to show her the graph of the alternate universe, right. blah, blah, And then um, she says, Walter, and she just looks at him. She doesn't even say anything. He goes, oh, we've already discussed this, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Good. That triggered something to me, too. I'm like, okay, if he has been in an alternate universe, maybe he's affected by, like you said, um, his memories out. Because it seems like he would remember having gone through that whole thing. And he was writing on the board and everything like he had done before. Well, see, I don't know if you recall, but it was either the last last episode or the second to the last episode of, of season one. The Observer came and got John. That's right. And they went back to the he alternate universe. See, so, so therefore, he has been to the alternate universe twice that we know of. Once when he got Peter, after his son Peter died, and, you know, then. then. last season. Uh-huh. So, you know, and I think when he went uh, that second time, I think he, he also uh, uh, was talking to uh, William Bell then, also. 
because he knows where William Bell is mm. and everything. I'm not sure so, about that. Yeah, he does. But anyway, well, my but, but that was, that was scene. another scene that I thought was good because <clears throat> after she says that, he kind of just looks at the board and he's got this sad look on his face, mm-hmm. but he also feels looks worried too. And that's when he tells her, you know, when I saw you lying there and thought you were dead, I don't know what I would have done. And that kind of touched me, and it also made me think, what, why? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand he cares for her, mm-hmm. but why does he care for her so much? Well, I think it's because he 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 realized long ago, of which he, he hasn't fully disclosed to her yet, but she was one of his test subjects right. when yes. she was a child. Him and Walter Bell did did these tests and, and gave that drug to several children. She was one of those children. Right. And what he's trying uh, what he has said to her is last season is that yes, you know, she was given that drug and stuff, but he made it sound like it was William Bell maybe separate from him that did it. But I don't think that's true. I don't See? think so either. <clears throat> so I think Walter was right up in there. So he feels you know, he feels like a lot of scientists probably feel that way about, you know, the, the rats that they uh, 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 experiment eh, on. Maybe. Well, yeah, they do, because that's like their their little kid or something, you know. But anyway, I don't know about that's that. my take on it. But yeah, he looked really, he looked sincerely worried. and But he also looked guilty to me. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah. he did. He looked guilty because when she was saying... I know I went somewhere, but I don't remember where, and I don't remember who I talked to. He know exactly where she went and exactly who she talked to. And I can't Mm -hmm. quite remember. And he Mm -hmm. just, yeah, that was the look too. He just looked guilty. Mm -hmm. And And let's go back while we look, while we talk about guilt, uh, I mean, the looks, let's go back to the look that, um, yes, thank you. Peter gave, uh, uh, Olivia when she shot that gun and it barely missed his head. That looked to oh, me. Oh man, that was sinister. It was sinister. Like, yeah, bitch. Do you know I will now, kill it you? It was. It was d- even deeper than that. I'm telling you, there's something about this Peter though. That's probably. But this is the only Peter we know. To, you I keep know. saying this Peter. Well, what but I this mean is, is the Peter, the only Peter that we've ever seen. Well, that's true. But what I mean is because he is different than what Walter. Tells right. us that he is. That's what I'm saying when I uh, when I yeah. say this Peter. He is different than than what Walter tells us through various conversations with well, other people. Well, he's going to be because he didn't have Walter growing up. That's true. That's true. But, but yes, he that was that was mean. Fierce. He looked like he was going to take her head off. Mm-hmm. And I when we first when I first watched, it, I was like, oh, okay, he's maybe scared a little bit that she got that close to his head. And then he turned back around and looked at her like, mm-hmm. B, you know, you are lucky. <laughs> and I was, I, I don't know. I was like, okay. Uh, I'd have been asking him, what was that look for? <laughs> but then when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Broyles asked him about it. He straight faced and everything said, oh, she just misfired. Mm-hmm. Royals and Royals looked at him like mm, he knows yeah. that's a lie, you know. But he had to ask, see, so he knows that's not you know true. But well, I I don't know. I really enjoyed seeing um, 
Peter in at you know more in action and and I don't know. I like uh, the character and how he's always got these little jokes and stuff, but I like it when he's serious too. I do too. And we saw more of a little bit more of the serious, and I really like the relationship with Peter and Walter. I that is just so endearing, though. It is. It is so endearing, and it's like now, like last season, he was so into being disgusted not disgusted but irritated with Walter he was mad at him because he didn't have him in his life right and it's like now he's kind of embracing it thinking okay what you know what can we do to kind of mm-hmm. foster our relationship you know he's here now that's mm-hmm. what matters and it, it's just kind of cool the way they've evolved and I'm that. trying to think uh didn't Walter, uh, excuse me, didn't Peter have schooling and like engineering or something? Because he understands not only all that stuff that Walter is talking, but he understands. Uh, no, um, he was brilliant too. Other and stuff. He had, yeah. He was um, at MIT, or he could have gone to MIT, MIT or something, yeah. Or something and, and didn't, or just went, I don't know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, he's brilliant too. Okay. But he just doesn't use it. Yeah. He doesn't apply himself. And didn't get as deep into the medical side, I guess, as mm-hmm. Walter did. So when do you think we're going to find out about this, this, whoever's communicating with fake, fake uh, Charlie from the alternate uh, uh, world, alternate reality? I hope soon. Because that is, but that's pretty cool though. I like this typewriter thing, but come on now. We're going to see something. It's cool, but I mean, how long can we go through this? I know. How long can we see this typewriter typing, giving instructions? And, you know, it changed from the first episode from killer to now <laughs> watcher. To now make her and remember. find out what she knows. And now, okay, she doesn't know shit. So make her remember. Make her remember. Mm-hmm. How is it supposed to do that? I don't know. Conquer on the head or dangle her off her bridge or something. I don't know. That's a good point. But I, I'm sad about Charlie because I like that character and I, I like the relationship that yes. him and Olivia had. Yep. They were good friends. Um he knew her and her partner from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So they go way back. She knows his wife. And I don't know. I just I'm going to miss that part of it because he's kind of playing. We finally got to see a little bit of the fake old Charlie. Right. But he's not there anymore. He's not. I mean, that's just going to be fake and that's going to end soon. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, cause he can't keep doing it. No, you know, so. Hmm. And that's too bad because that was a pretty kind of cool dynamic that they had going. Mm-hmm. And once Charlie's gone, cause you know, at one point he's going to have to die. Yeah. Um, then there's not going to be that link left, except for there's not going to, yeah, it's just not going to be the same. Well, they'll do like they do in other shows like that and, and show have a new, like, handler, you know, or, or a new person that coming she on. Go to, well, uh, that Agent well, Jessup. Uh, no, uh, but Charlie's above her in rank. So uh, Jessup is not. So, you know, I don't know. They'll I just have a, a, another person. In his job classification, mm. I'm sure that's probably what they'll do. But then who knows? I think it's they're going to replace him with Agent Jessup because she knows about friends. Charlie knows about friends too. They're not going to tell everybody. That's true. 
Now, we haven't talked about the last part of the episode, Sam Weiss, Mm -hmm. at the bowling alley, where Olivia goes, and uh, Nina Sharp told her, when you need help, see Sam Sharp, or excuse me, Sam Weiss. Mm -hmm. So, (coughs) excuse me, what do you think about him? Apparently, he's also traveled. Yeah, obviously, he's traveled back and forth. Or he's a guide to help people travel, or... Something. Well, see, we don't have enough information. No. He's not a psychiatrist. You know, he's not a doctor. Because Olivia asked Nina Sharp that. So, we don't have any information. Um, And especially given the fact of the little game he tried to play. Oh, you're going to give up that quick? You know. So, I have no idea. I don't either. But I I kind of like that. um, The character. I mean, I kind of like the... um, what do you call it? The possibilities that character can open. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to wait and see. I mean, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Yeah, I, although I don't think Nina would send her to somebody that she didn't know was there for the right reason. Well, but you know what? Nina's sharp, though, even though I, I really love her character, but she's got... Little ulterior motives also. Yes. So, and we know. And we still haven't really delved deep into her backstory. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. we really haven't. Which I think is probably coming later on. I think so too. In the episode, just like with Broyles also. I think it's probably coming on. But So I'm going to reserve my opinion in my own little Sam Weiss until I see at least the next episode or two. Because, you know, it might be a good thing. It might not. That's yeah, you're right. See, you're so right. I, I don't really have any opinion yet. Well, all right. We had um a couple of items in our feedback section that we can um we had a voicemail and we had an email. Oh cool. And our email is actually came in uh really late, came in the night that we were recording last week. So this is our comments. From our last episode, or, you know, portraying to the first episode of the season. Okay. And it's from Denise. She says, um, her, <laughs> her subject line is, who eats Twizzlers at an autopsy? <laughs> she says, hey, sisters, so what did you think? I love this episode, but I am so bummed about Charlie. My favorite moments, Olivia crashing through the car windshield was fantastic. I didn't see that coming. Broyles and Nina kissing on the steps. Huh? When did they get together? It was a used to go together kiss. But when did they go together? Walter calling Astrid Asterisk. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked to see Charlie was dead. But now that the dust has settled, I'm just bummed. This is a rehash of a plot line from Alias. Remember faux Francie? I sure do, Denise. And I hated that faux Francie. Looking forward to next week's show. By the way, my podcast is up and I gave you guys a shout out and I linked to your podcast in the show notes on my podcast blog page. I linked to your fringe page, but not your main page. Looking forward to hearing your show, Denise. Oh, that's a great email. Thank you, Denise. And Denise has a podcast called The Fringe After Party. Mm-hmm. And it's great. She's had one episode, uh, actually two mm-hmm. um, episodes. Well, one's like a test one. Uh, where she, it's actually the first one is really cute, where she actually uh, has the box set of season one, 
yeah. kind of shows all the different features on the box set, which was really cool. Got me excited about getting the box set. <laughs> and I really like it. And um, she's doing that podcast on her own, which I give her props for. That's Because right. I know I couldn't do this on my own. So, yeah. Good that, job, Denise. Yeah. It's a very good podcast, so everybody should should. Uh, I think it's up on iTunes, isn't it? It is. She's yeah. on iTunes. So, so you the know, Fringe After Party. So be sure and get that. But in answer to your question, Denise, you know, last season in season one, I think when you go back and and watch it, you're going to see that Royals and Nina do have some kind of history together. There was. And uh, uh, as near as I can recall, there was never any hint that it was anything romantic until that kiss, you know, in the first episode. But he knows an awful lot about massive dynamics and about her and she him. And they always seem to communicate. And Broyles was always sending uh, Olivia to see Nina. So, yeah, they have some history there. And that was kind of, you know, hinted about in season one. But we didn't, I mean, but it still came out of left field a little bit. I didn't think so. You didn't? No, I didn't think, I mean, I was surprised. I thought it was romantic history. No, I didn't think it was romantic history, but it it was not a shock to me. Oh. See, or, or I should put it this way. It didn't seem far-fetched because they had. Well, no, it doesn't seem far-fetched, right. but when it happened, I was like, what? Well, you know, I'm sure they wanted the surprise factor. Oh, yes. And they got it. So thanks for that uh, email, Denise. And we also got a cool voicemail. And I'll play that now. Okay. There's Sister J and Sister Kate. This is Brad from uh, Don't Look Into Podcast and Watchers Anarchy Podcast. Shameless plug there. Um, I was popping through the iTunes to all y'all's listening there for your podcast and just, you know, some, you just can't get enough French, regardless of what. You, you just can't get enough of Walter and everything else. So I had to download it. I must say I was rather impressed with your podcast. I mean, it's great. I mean, we're just talking about the show. I mean, what more could you want? So just thought I'd throw you a voicemail there and let you know. Keep up the great work. Can't wait to hear the next episode and get your take on it. All right. Bye. Oh, that is really cool. Thank you, Brad, for that neat voicemail. We love it. Love it. And um, thanks for letting us know about your two podcasts. Don't look in the podcast is one. Mm-hmm. Look, I think I looked them up on iTunes. I haven't had a chance to download and listen, <clears throat> but it looks like they um, Brad along with several other people review different movies. Cool. Yeah, some old, some new. And then he said Watchers of Anarchy podcast, which is based, I think, on the Sons of Anarchy show on FX or. I've seen that in the guide, so um, but I haven't seen the show. TBS or some channel. Mm-hmm. Okay. I heard it was a great show. I just haven't gotten into it. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Brad. And it's really um, great that you just happened to look us up one day and took a listen. And thank you very much for the nice compliment about our show. Yep. That was our first episode on Fringe. And I always feel like I'm kind of slow and behind the ball on the theories and what's going on, <laughs> but as long as people are liking it, then I'm good. Well, yeah, and everybody's got a different opinion. I yeah. mean, there are some things that are, you know, cut and dry, so to speak, but then there are other things where, you know, people have different opinions. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. I just feel like I don't always catch stuff, so even mm-hmm. though I watch it two or three times mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast, it mm-hmm. helps me 
kind of get some of the things that I missed on first viewing, mm-hmm. which is which is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you would like to also get in on our feedback, you can send us an email at sisterspeak at gmail.com. We have our voicemail line, 972-692-7341. And also our website is sistersinreview.com. Thank you to Brad and Denise for our feedback today. Yep. We appreciate it. And we hope everyone has a great Fringe Week. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it already. Yeah. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next week. Thank you.